and thank you for joining me on Underneath the Hat podcast, which is every Saturday on the Underneath the Hat YouTube page. I am Cherie Simmons, speaker, author, and the host of this podcast, and I'm happy and grateful of you for joining me for a powerful episode on our series of Truth Hurts, where our guests share the good, the bad, and the ugly of dealing with that topic. And today, we are blessed to have a guest who is going to share with us the good, the bad, and the ugly of being a former first lady. So without any delay, I want to introduce to you all our guest, Sharon Griffin. Hello, hello, Hi. hello. Hi there, how are you? I'm good. Well, first um, I want to thank you for agreeing to be a part of the show. Yes, ma'am. And so we can dive right in. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, my name is Sharon K. Griffin. Um, I'm an author, speaker, and personal development life coach. And I love God. Um, that's all people really need to know about me is that I love God. And loving God doesn't mean religion. It means my relationship. So... That's who I am, that's what I do, and I am excited to be here. Thank you for having me on your platform. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'll admit I was a little reluctant because uh, I know being a former first lady is such a small circle, Mm -hmm. and you have so many women that are afraid to share their story because of the position that we're in and so I'm glad that you decided to share because the one thing I say with this podcast is I realized going through the things that I went through as a former first lady that my testimony was somebody else's breakthrough and so I just want to thank you for allowing God to use you to be a breakthrough for someone else. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I had to say, too, I wore my hat because underneath the hat, (laughs) it was like a last minute switcheroo. I was like, let me pull my hat out. I appreciate it. I thank you so much for doing that. Let's get started. Yes, ma'am. With this podcast, I want us to be able to share the good, the bad, and the ugly because so often. People share their story and they only tell us the good part, but I find that you learn from those bad and those ugly things as well. Yes, yes, yes. Let's start with the good. What would you say has been the good part of being a first lady? First of all, I have to say that I I hate that term, first lady, okay? And I hate that term because to me, it insinuates other ladies, okay? And and we know in a lot of Christendom, there are other ladies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't succumb to the, the, um, the word or the words or the term first lady. It's just something that I hate. But anyway, the good part about 
being a pastor's wife and also pastoring or co-pastoring with him was that my relationship with God became stronger. Um, I really depended on God at that time and even more now. Um, my ex-husband, he recognized the gift in me. And it's something that God had shared with him, which was my gift of insight or intuition or in church, what we call prophecy. And I thank God that he was around to help me or to usher me into flowing in that. Um, so I have to say to God, thank you. You know what I'm saying? And there's a song that Ariana our Ariana Grande says, thank you, Matt. Yep. <laughs> so you you're grateful for the opportunities that you've had in any relationship and, and the things that you've learned. But when they end, it's okay to end. And you say thank you. You know, and you move on. And that song, which I learned about probably within the last year, really ministered to me. Even though it's a secular song, I love music, so I listen to all kinds. Um, but just saying thank you, you know, because thank you is such a powerful word. And just saying thank you for the experience, thank you for the learning experience, thank you for the growth. But next, yes. you know, I think for me, the highlight of being a pastor's wife or co-pastoring was really learning and really learning what my gift was, learning not to be afraid mm -hmm. of my gift. So that was the good. Oh, in the traveling and, you know, I, was, I already had money. So it wasn't the church money. It wasn't his money. I, I did my own thing. So I didn't depend on, on him um, financially until I stopped working and then we had our own money. So how did you deal with that, Sharon? Because I know so often people, um, they coincide with the pastor makes and then mm -hmm. automatically assume that all of the things that they purchase for themselves or their wives comes directly from the church. They figure that the church is the only income that the pastor has. So how did you deal with those people who felt like they were the reason why you okay. were financial? So I have to ask you something. Am I free to be my authentic self on here or do I have to be like... I am. Okay. <laughs> I, I like to use my terminology. So I made sure that I had all my shit prior. Okay. Stuff, nice cars and all that. Why? Because I know black folk. Yes. You know, black folk automatically assume that when you have something nice, especially when you're in ministry, that comes from their dollars. So I already made sure that I was taken care of prior to um, having our own church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. that was um, the same thing with me. I was already a teacher, had been teaching for six, seven years when my ex-husband became pastor. He was a teacher too. 
So okay. we were already making seven figures, six figures together. Nice. So, but one thing I do appreciate about him was he came in, he was transparent, he let them know we don't need the church. Yes. We're fine on our own. And so I was glad that that was some, a hurdle that we didn't have to cross because okay. they did, they realized that they were providing enough to be able to support the lifestyle that we were used to. Right. And you know what? I always teach people independence. So whether you're a man or a woman, just being in independent and monetizing off of your gifts and your talents, um, I will never put myself in a position where I'm dependent on a person or a group of people. Because I know that people are fickle. Yes. And one minute they love you, and if you say the wrong thing, um, then they're mad at you. One minute they're supporting you, and then one moment they're walking away from you. So I, I don't. I'm not depending on a man or on people in general. I'm gonna make sure I have my own. Absolutely. I always uh, say you always say the saying of stay off the pole. My thing is stay out of my mother's house. <laughs> I have to do. So now go back to my mother's house. Then that's what I'm going to do. Because I am independent and do things for myself and I have to rely on anybody else. Yes, yes. I totally agree. Yeah. So with the good comes the bad. So what would you say would have been one of the bad moments of being a pastor's wife? Um, well, my husband loved women, my ex-husband, he loved women. So, of course, I had to deal with that, and I was on my fourth marriage with him, right? Mm -hmm. So, I said to God, all right, God, I'm going to stay in this marriage. Um, I want to please you. Not realizing that God gives us gives freedom of choice. Right. And once I got out of that situation, I think I didn't cause me to stay. I stayed because I wanted to stay. Because God gives us common sense. And I said, such a loving God would not have women stay in, in an abusive relationship, whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual, or financial. So when I look back at it, girl, you could have been left. But like the old mothers at the church, all this annoyance and annoyance, so that didn't work, okay? Because people have choices, and right. obviously, his choice was to continue to do what he wanted to do at that particular time. You right. know, so you can't, as much as you pray for somebody, you can't accept their will. Exactly. Right. So. I wish I would have done it sooner as far as get the divorce, but I'm always saying that God is always on time. And yes. I believe that I left at the right time in the right season for me. And it worked out perfect. You know, um, matter of fact, we're friends now. Mm -hmm. um, don't hold no grudges. And we've talked about past and things like that. And one thing that I and I'm remarried. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say this respectfully. My ex is a good friend. If I need anything, he would definitely be there. So I'm not going to forget those things. I'm not going to forget the good times um, that we hear had or the ministry that we developed. Um, but I do understand that he had some issues that he had to deal with. And then, of course, being married four times was time for me to look at my own doctor here, too. You know, and not cast judgment on other people or him, but to see what was wrong with me. You know, um, and that has been a beautiful journey as far as self development. Um, Counseling, coaching, you know, to get to the core of the problem and who I am now, which is a very happy person, living her best life. Well, our stories are so similar because um, I wrote a book underneath the hat and okay. where I talk about my story as a first lady and the lessons that I learned through my ex husband's infidelity. And I we met when I was 16, so he was really the only real boyfriend that I knew. And then okay. just to being a wife and then the first lady. And I admit now that I've done my self-reflection, I've gone through my therapy, my relationship with God has gotten better, that I was naive and I was young when we married. Right. And so I was able to learn lessons because of the things that I went through with him. But the biggest one was definitely to keep your eyes open because I believe everything that he told me. I didn't think that anything was going on and everything was happening around me and everyone knew but me. But yeah. God has a way of revealing things to you and protecting you at the same time. He revealed you know mm-hmm. that's, that's true. But a lot of times we have to protect ourselves. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm making a point that there has been pastors' wives who have contracted HIV from their husbands and things like that. So yes, we believe that God is a healer and God can protect us, but we also have to use wisdom as well um, and protect ourselves, especially when it comes to our health and our sanity. Yes. Yes. And God definitely helped with that because um, in my book, I talk about there's a chapter called Snap, Crack, and Pop where I just lost it. People don't realize that losing a marriage is part of the grieving process. And there are different steps that you have to go through. You're right. sad, you're mad, you're angry, and then you start to self- reflect and realize some things and the part that you played in it. But there was a point where I was mad and I was doing things that I normally wouldn't do. Okay, yeah, I was angry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I was glad that when I look back at it, I realized what God was doing. He allowed for me to find out about it when I wasn't in the house with him. We had separated and then I found out. Okay. he allowed for me to have time away out the state. I was out of town. He allowed for me to have time to myself, to get myself together because he knew who his child was. 
in order to prepare me to confront him. Okay. And even in the midst of finding out certain things, Sharon, I was still willing to work on it because like you, I'm like, I'm gonna make this work. I'm gonna make it work. I've seen marriages fail. I don't wanna be like them. I'm gonna make it work. And God kept telling me, nope, this is not it. Nope, right. this is not it. I call him TKO. He kept knocking me down. Every time I got close again or tried to go back, he was like, nope, this is not it. Until okay. finally I had to realize that I need to walk away. Yeah. So everything has been great since then. I've learned more about myself. I've had a better relationship with God, like you stated before. And so I'm much happier now with who I am because I'm not trying to put on a facade for someone else. Right, right, right. You know, I, I don't want to say I put on a facade because I did reach out for help. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've always been an authentic person, mm -hmm. but there were times where I've been ministering to some folks, like, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, bitch, if you wasn't pregnant, I was, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and I meant it when I said it. Yeah. And all the church people left. But See, then, you know, I wish I was around the ones that would be authentic and tell the truth because I was 28 when he became okay. Okay, okay. when I was 23. So I'm like, okay, this is all new to me. I don't know what I should and shouldn't do. Right, right. Basically brainwashed by him to act a certain way, carry myself a certain way. This is your role. This is what you're supposed to do. He surrounded me with people and for other first ladies who acted the way he wanted or felt that I should act. So uh -huh. I wish I had that one friend I had her on last week. She was the opposite of me. So okay. I would love to see her in action because she would say and do the things that I wanted to say and do. But I knew I couldn't with the one I was married to at the time. So now, if I were, and I pray the Lord does not put me back in that position, but if he ever did put me back in the position of first lady, I would definitely carry myself differently because okay. I now know who I am. Before, I didn't know who Cherie was, but mm -hmm. now that I do, I know what I can and cannot do, what I will and won't allow. So it would be totally different now. I understand that. First of all, I'm married to a Muslim. Okay, so I ain't marrying no no more pastors. I was married to two, so two preachers. That's enough for me. Um, and I love my husband, and I love my marriage. And I don't feel that Christian women have to marry Christian men. Uh, I've I've actually stepped into spirituality as opposed to defining myself as this or that or whatever. No, I just know God. That's what people need to know about me. Um, but I think that we've been brainwashed as women to believe that you can only marry a Christian man, man when there's so many wonderful men out there who would treat you right who loves God, 
but they just don't go to church. I love God. I don't go to church. I don't have no no desire. Mm-hmm. In a church building. Um, I have to say, I do listen to Reverend Ike, my favorite preacher in the world. And if he was alive, I would definitely go to his church because he believes the things that I believe. So for me to be that kind of ministry, that covering, if you want to call it, um, it sits well with me. But to under some of the ministry that I see, I have no desire, no desire. And a lot of my friends are in ministry and I wouldn't even sit under them. Mm. So do you think that your thoughts and ideas towards church had to do with the previous relationships that you had with um, pastors? No, not at all. I think that me seeing things uh, growing up from a child, shows me that I don't want to be under people who say one thing and do another in a lot of cases. Um, I don't need people to brainwash me into what they think the Bible says or what they believe. I think I have enough God in me to hear God move. And to me, ministry has become ministering to people I meet, whether it's in the market or whether I'm doing a podcast or whether I'm doing an interview. There's so many ways that God can use us. And I don't think I have to be in a ministry. I think a lot of times religion, women especially, and bondage. For example, he who finds a wife um, finds a good thing and obtains favor in God. Well, why can't a woman find him? Why can't they find each other? What's wrong with that? Um, Why are we taught that we should find one person, get married, and forever? Um, some things aren't meant to be forever. You know what I'm saying? So I don't believe that. Why do women sit in church waiting on Boaz? Boaz is dead, honey. (laughs) Um, and then I just remember back in the day being in church, a new dude would come and everybody be wondering, is that my husband? Why do they have us sitting in church? acting like that, waiting Mm. for something that may never come. Why can't we put ourselves in a position, whether online dating or whether being in those places where the type of men that we want to meet are, why can't we approach a man and say, hey, how are you? Or start a conversation or ask a man on a date. We're taught these things, yet a lot of times the preacher, he's teaching us this, but then he's operating contrary he's been teaching, right? Yes. For example, he's telling us we need to be modest and proper, but when he go out, he's kind of sexy as hell, right? Right. Exactly. So, no, I, I just, I'm not sold. Yeah. I'm not on a lot of things that we have been taught. Um, 
And I've talked to God about that too. And I'm not going to teach younger people what I've been taught. The only thing that I teach people is love God. Yes. And, and allow God to be your judge. Because what might be sin for you might not be sin for me. Right. You know, you tell us to not fornicate, right? But how many people do you know waited to have sex before they were married, including the person, including our parents, including our women? You know what I'm saying? So people are teaching us these things. But when I look at, like, don't fornicate, okay, for example. So you're telling me don't fornicate. You're telling me to marry somebody. I don't know how they are sexually. What if their penis is too big? What if we're sexually incompatible? Then that's another problem. Now, I am not saying go around and spread your oats and, you know, but do what you do. What you do. I'm not going to judge you on what you do. But be careful while you're doing it. Right. right. If that makes sense. So I don't believe a lot of things that I was taught. I don't believe that if I don't pay tithes, I'm going to be cursed with a curse. So when I repeat those four processes, it gets in my psyche as a man thinks. So when, yeah. when I don't pay my tithes and something happened, oh my God, I didn't pay my tithes. And then now my car broke. Well, I've been thinking and I've been brainwashed to think that if I don't pay my tithes, I'm going to be cursed. So then, of course, I'm going to get cursed because I'm repeating this. Our words have power, right? But why would I not pay my bills and pay tithes? No, I'm going to pay my bills because most of the time, what I've learned, you can't go to the church and make a hundred or $300. To help you pay your bills. So to me, a lot of stuff don't make sense mm -hmm. that we've been taught. And we live under these things and we stay in marriages where we hate the people. Mm -hmm. I don't think God wants that. Right. Not a loving God. I believe that God wants us to be happy yes. while we're on earth because we're only here for a very short time. So why yeah. am I going to spend all these years with somebody I hate. Do a loving God want me to be on earth and hate it the whole time? No. I think God says, honey, live your best life. You know, and I know people won't agree with me, and there's so many people who do agree with me. And it's okay. As long as I'm free, as long as I'm living my authentic life, as long as I'm living on purpose, as long as my relationship with God is true, I'm all right. Another thing, talk about homosexuality, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and how you're going to go to hell for that. But then some of the greatest praise and worship leaders that I know are homosexual. Why can't we allow people to be who they are without making them live a lie and then destroying lives? For example, I was in a church, came up COVID, right? And it was praise and worship leader. Oh my God, he could sing heaven down. And he was bisexual, okay? No one knew until he left the journal after he died of AIDS about all the people that he had 
met with in the church, and the pastor had to call all those individuals in and let them know, and some of them did that. So why are we teaching people to live a lie? Why can't they be free enough to say, this is who I am, and either you accept it or you don't accept it? Right. You keep moving. Right. And that's my um, thing with being closer to God. I always um, look at religion versus relationship. Like you mentioned earlier, I'm in a relationship with God. When you're in a relationship with a person, you have conversations with them. You communicate with them. You feel a certain way about them. And I know that I'm in a relationship versus being in a religion because I can have a conversation with God any time of day and night about anything and be who I am. Sometimes I forget I'm talking to God and might slip and say a word I shouldn't say, but that's because I'm in a relationship with him. I feel comfortable talking to him. Whereas I felt I was raised about having to focus on religion, which was follow this rule. You can't do that. You gotta do this. You have to wear that. You can't say this. You can't eat that. And if you're in a relationship with someone, there are things that you like to do that they don't like to do, things that they may say that you don't say. And I realize who he is in my life and what I can and cannot do in his presence. But I also know that I can be who I am because he made me this way. Exactly. Growing up, feeling certain ways about certain people, but then going through life and experiencing things and realizing there are people who may not agree with how I live my life. But as long as I'm nice to these people and treat them the way that I want to be treated, that's all I really need to worry about is how am I treating the people that God has placed on this earth so that when I make it in front of him, he can't say, well, you treated them one way because they felt or thought a different way than you. So my mindset has changed. Yes, absolutely. Relationship with him. And I would not be as close to him had I not gone through the divorce of my first husband. So even though it was a bad thing that happened, it got ugly at some moments, the good that came out of it was that I have a relationship now with God. I know who he is now versus just knowing about him, I know him for myself. I know that's right. And I think like you said to piggyback off of, um, mm-hmm. church made us thin conscious. Mm-hmm. Everything was sin. But do you remember back in the day where your fingernail polish was a sin, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that changed. And then pants was a sin. And then that changed. Going to the movies was a sin. That changed. Right, so it's so many things that man has taught us was wrong because it was based on what they were taught. And we can't fault them because what they were taught and what they knew. When you go into the light and when you've experienced God on a different level, then you know what's good for you or and what's wrong for you. You don't have to base it on everybody else and what they believe and what their thoughts. Um, there's a lot of things that I've been taught that I just don't believe. But, you know, like Reverend Ike says, 
I'm not trying to wait to get to heaven to walk on my streets paved with gold. I ain't trying to wait to get to heaven and ride some chariots. I don't know if that's what really exists. Ain't nobody come from heaven to tell me that. Girl, this is real. No, I just, I want to get what I can get here, live my best life, make sure that God is satisfied satisfied with me, make sure I live on purpose, and make sure that I die empty. Yes. That's it. Yes. That's mm -hmm. it. You well, know? I mean, after this great conversation, I don't even think I want to know what the ugly part about it was, but we're going to follow through soon to what we're doing. So what would you say, if any, was the ugly part of being a pastor's wife? Well, the ugly part really was just to me the infidelity. Mm -hmm. uh, I just I do have to say that I learned that people come and go, and that they're not my people. Right. That there's they're God's people, and that people have a choice. So that was the bad part. Those were some of the learning experiences or my opportunities to grow. Um, I, I really didn't put on a facade, but I tried to smile when there was nothing to smile about. Um, I think that, hmm, I, okay, another bad thing, but it's a growth thing. Yeah, I preached some of my greatest sermons when I was going through. Wow. I remember going, um, I was headed somewhere. I was in an airplane and I was really talking to God and saying, like, how can I go and preach when I'm feeling like this? And you know, a lot of my friends, they'll say even now, that girl, you know, God is in the midst of this. And you know, you'll preach your greatest sermons doing this and yada yada. So my position is this, why do I have to be broken to preach your word? Why can't I go in whole as a person and give everything I got to that particular audience? Because what I found out is broken people break people. Yes. So sometimes when you're ministering and you're broken, you could say some of the craziest things and you're breaking other people down. So why can't I go into it with loving kindness yes. and still allow God to use me? Mm -hmm. So that's just, those are some of the not so pretty parts mm -hmm. of ministry. I have to say that when we had our church, which was in Italy, we have beautiful people, like the African community, just wonderful. Um, just learn. Some of our deacons were, we got from the train station and developed them. And I think one of them was an alcoholic when we met them. But you meet people who are You know, you don't judge them. And... Just like Jesus, he rolled with the sinner. I don't want to be around people that think they have everything together. Right. 
I like being around people where we're like, this is who I am. Can you work with it or not? Right. Because we all have issues. Even mm -hmm. now, we all have issues. Absolutely. So wait a minute, are you remarried? Yes, I remarried. Um, and I actually compare those two relationships to religion versus relationship. Okay. Like my first marriage was more of a religion. You gotta act this way, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And with this second marriage, I I'm in a finally in a relationship. I can be who I am. I don't have to focus on making sure that everything is done the correct way. So I can honestly say that God has taken me from the mindset of religion to the mindset of relationship. And I, I can definitely see the difference between the two. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And I teach women all the time, you're an individual. I know that people say you become one, but you still have to remain an individual because you can lose yourself in becoming something that someone wants you to be, you know, and not living your purpose, but living theirs. Exactly. Yes. You know, it's, it's been a great learning and teaching experience. Yes. For me. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah I'm, I'm an introvert, so I'm okay being by myself, enjoying myself, traveling, doing all those things. But God said, no, I have a purpose for you. And okay. it's totally out of my comfort zone. But it's just amazing to see what he's been able to do with just me sharing my story and being nice. open to telling what happened and okay. seeing the different people that it has touched and affected, even within my circle, people that were going through things similar to me or had gone through things. And I never would have known if I hadn't just opened my mouth and told my story. So right. that's why I'm doing this podcast so people can have a way to hear from other people because like you say, everyone doesn't go to church. Everyone doesn't believe in the same God that we may believe in, but we all go through things. Yes. Sometimes we are someone else's version of God or someone else's Bible. And if we can tell them the truth and be authentic and transparent, then it can help them to move further along their journey. And that's, that's so true, you know. Um, and it's so important that we share yes. um, the things that we've gone through. And I think Black women, a lot of times, are afraid to share because we're so hard on one another. Yes. You know, as opposed to saying, sis, I remember this. Or, you know what I'm saying? That's why I kind of gravitate mm -hmm. to the Z's and the millennials. Yeah, because they suck what you have up. Like they're thirsty. Mm -hmm. There's been no one or very few people to give them that drink of water that they're desiring. Yes, and meeting them where they are, um, whether we agree with what they do and how they do it, mm -hmm. um, it's about showing them the love. Yes. 
And that's what they appreciate the most. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. actually a good transition to my last question. What okay. advice would you give a young woman that's going into the role as pastor's wife or is currently in the role of pastor's wife? If they were going into the role of pastor's wife, I would say, don't do it. <laughs> just say be who you are and what God called you to be. Um, I think that's the most important advice that I could give someone in that role because again we tend to lose ourselves in other people especially as women and not just black women but women in general. Mm -hmm. So Never forget about your dreams and your goals and the things that God has gifted you with. And walk, in walk in purpose and live on purpose. That's what I would tell anyone, whether she's in that role or not. Yes. Well, I want to thank you so much, Sharon. This has been so much fun. Again. Oh, you're welcome. I hope that I wasn't too much for you. Oh, no. It was great. It was great. So, again, I want to thank our guest, Sharon Griffith, for coming and sharing with us her good, bad, and ugly of being a pastor's wife. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. All right. Underneath the Hat Podcast. I want to thank you again so much for tuning in to this episode of Underneath the Hat Truth Series, Church Hurts, where we dove into a conversation with a former pastor's wife. Again, I want to let you know where you can find my book, Underneath the Hat. It's available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. So if you're in for a good read, go ahead and pick up your copy. Also, we're slowly wrapping up our um, slowly wrapping up the Truth Hurt series with Church Hurt. Our next series is going to be on Family Hurt. So. Uh, parent-child relationships, sibling relationships, um, in-law relationships, cousins, grandparents. So if any of you are interested in sharing your story, coming on to be a guest to tell us the good, the bad, and the ugly of any of your family hurts, you can email me at underneaththehats at gmail.com. Any relationship you want to speak about, you can email me here at underneath the hat at gmail.com. Again, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. Until next week, always remember to take care of yourself underneath the hat. I will see you next Saturday.